All right, so today we're continuing to think about our front lines, uh, those places uh, where we spend lots of our time and energy. Uh, so your front line might be in a school, uh, your front line might be in a business, your front line might be a social club. Uh, our front lines are the places that we work, study, we feed others, we socialize, and uh, we might be using a pen or a keyboard or a scalpel or a baby bottle. Please don't mix those things up wherever you are on your front line. Uh, and today we are looking at our front line cry, the front line cry, which means how are we crying out to God in prayer? Uh, on our front line? What attitude and posture do we have as we pray? Uh, what relationship do we have with God when we're on our front line? <clears throat> and Isaiah 29 shows us uh, three big things about the front line cry. We see the mistake of prayer, the transformation of prayer, and the true attitude of prayer. So from verse 13 to 16, we see the mistake of prayer, and it is uh, it's actually God who points this out to his people. So follow along with me. Uh, if you do have Isaiah open, and uh, you, you can grab it now if you like, Isaiah 29, and uh, we can read along. It says there from verse 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. So the mistake is to have a heart far from God and yet to practice being religious. It's to go through the motions of religious worship, to say prayers with our lips, to follow some human rules about worship, but not to have a genuine inner life where the heart is close to God. And the language here is quite vivid uh, about the distance and the closeness. So uh, the Lord says these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, close and far. Uh, one part of the person is really close to God, but another part, is really far from God. Uh, the image is of a person who has disconnected parts, uh, or they're just, you know, really stretchy. <laughs> but uh, basically, they're not living as a whole person. Uh, people can put on a show to other people. We can put on a facade really easily. Now, uh, you might remember if you were here earlier this year, we were looking at uh, the Gospel of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount. And there, Jesus continues this same message. He calls it uh, hypocrisy. Jesus keeps preaching the message of Isaiah because uh, somehow, as people, we keep making this same mistake. We keep living with this fatal flaw that our hearts are far from God. So, is your heart close to God on your front line? Have a think about your front line right now, where you are, where you go. Think about tomorrow. Is your heart close to God when you're on your front line? Uh, 
Uh, let me tell you about a guy called Nick. Uh, Nick had served in the army as a soldier uh, until he was wounded and discharged. He then became a Christian after being discharged, partly from seeing the atrocities of war uh, that led him on a path to follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, but now he had come to work in a kitchen. That was his front line, and he hated it. It was 10 years of anguish for him. He hated his front line. He chafed against it and even called it great suffering. So if you don't like your front line, if you hate your front line, if, if it's really not the place that you want to be and spending a lot of your time, then you have a friend in Nick. Uh, I've, I've done a stint as a dish pig, uh, working at Red Rooster in my younger years, and I, I, I couldn't imagine doing it for a decade. Uh, it is hard work. Uh, but Nick wanted to give up. He didn't want to do his job. He felt distant from God and this amazing God that he had come to know and love. He felt distant from God. He didn't like his humble circumstances. Uh, his talents were wasted as he was hidden back behind the scenes in the kitchen. He struggled to pray in true connection with God because of his circumstances. He would, he would go through the motions of prayer, but his heart was not with his prayers. Well, here in Isaiah, the Lord goes on to point out how much of a mistake this is or a problem particularly when our hearts are far from him. He says, Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, Who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say the one who formed it? You did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? So the mistake in being a worker uh, or having something to do or to contribute, the mistake in learning and gathering knowledge uh, is to lift ourselves up and feel powerful as a creator and to get so used to raising our knowledge and raising our resume and becoming so upwardly mobile that we forget that we ourselves are created. And sometimes it is so important, as we do every Ash Wednesday, to remember that uh, we are dust and to dust we shall return. And God points out how comical our human pride is uh, when we lift ourselves up without proper perspective. Uh, he uses the image of a, a potter and clay. Uh, God is the creator, the potter, and we are the clay, his handiwork. And how silly it is for the clay to turn around to the potter and say, well, you know nothing, you did not make me. It's, it's a ridiculous image. How silly it is for us to control God out of a sense of our own self-importance or our own magnificent wisdom and intelligence. It is always a mistake to think that God's ways are lower than our ways because God's ways are higher 
than our ways. Uh, it is a mistake to think we can carry on secretly with our plans when the great potter sees everything the clay does. Uh, now, our friend Nick was uh, doing his best. He wanted to have a profound relationship with God. There wasn't exactly a sinister element to his pride. Uh, he wasn't really turning his back on God. He just didn't know how to live on his front line uh, with God. And so we come to the transformation of prayer. Uh, one day, in the midst of all this mundane work, Nick had his heart transformed by the presence of God. It was not his own doing, it was a work of God. He was flooded with an amazing peace that went on to remain with him. And this is what he wrote about that experience. He writes, I suddenly found myself changed and my soul, which up till then was always disturbed, experienced a profound interior peace. He experienced a profound interior peace. God had moved and acted on Nick's heart. Friends, God brings transformation. God brings change. God brings astonishment to us. God brings wonder upon wonder. And we heard the voice of the Lord God say there in verse 14 that I will astonish. God will astonish. He brings this change himself actively. So what does the presence of God bring in this transformation? Well, let's read that next section, uh, verses 17 to 21. God says, in a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field? Now, Lebanon was uh, known for its timber, uh, famous timber coming from Lebanon. So the, the timber area uh, will be turned into fertile field, and the fertile field seem like a forest. So God reverses things, and particularly this, this symbol of national pride in Lebanon. God is reversing things. In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the scroll, and out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The ruthless will vanish. The mockers will disappear. And all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. Those who with a word make someone out to be guilty, who ensnare the defender in court, and with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice. So this broken world we live in, uh, where the rich and powerful get uh, richer and more powerful, and the poor and humble become poorer and humiliated. Those unfair scales are being thrown out by God. And the innocent and the oppressed can rejoice and celebrate because ruthless evil and the lies and injustice, they vanish in God's presence. This is God's wonderfully good news that when He comes, He comes to make things right and beautiful and just and holy. He transforms hell on earth into heaven on earth. And Jesus came to seek and save, not the proud, not the amazing, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, 
And Jesus came quoting Isaiah. He starts his ministry reading this from the book of Isaiah. This is from elsewhere. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when we get a taste of that, when uh, we've experienced some of that for ourselves, when we know the goodness of God and, we, and when we hope and we long for more, when we long for that to come to others, when we long for that to come to this whole broken world, uh, then from God's transformation, we then have a new attitude that changes us. We have a new perspective, new feelings even, of our place in God's uh, cosmos. Jesus made a way for our hearts to not be far away from God, but to be close. Uh, Ephesians 2.13 has this amazing line, uh, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, notice the distance, far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the death of Jesus, his sacrifice for us, draws us close into the presence of God and God's people. Well, Nick actually went on to become famous, uh, somewhat famous, not during his life, but after it, because he learned something about living in God's presence daily, on his very humble front line. His attitude of anguish on his front line turned to freedom and peace and wonderful joy as he was peeling potatoes and washing the dishes. Uh, Nick was named Nicholas at birth. Uh, he was born in about the year 1614, but he is more commonly known as Brother Lawrence. Uh, after leaving the army and becoming a Christian, he became a monk and his daily posting at the monastery was in the kitchen and he hated it for a decade until everything changed. Uh, his attitude was transformed by God and he responded to God's transforming work by practicing the presence of God. That's what he is known for, practicing the presence of God. You can actually get a book if you want to go and find the book. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God and it's a compilation of some of Brother Lawrence's writings about how he found an incredible closeness, a daily closeness to God that impacted others and continues to impact people today through what he learnt so uh, this true attitude of prayer can be seen in that last section of Isaiah 29. From verse 22 it says, Therefore this is what the Lord who redeemed Abraham says to the descendants of Jacob, no longer will Jacob be ashamed. The shame is going. No longer will their faces grow pale. When they see among them their children, the work of my hands, they will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob. They will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who are wayward in spirit will gain understanding. Those who complain will accept instruction. There are things that will happen 
by God's grace. There are things for us to do, and not just when we gather, but we can come to God in awe everywhere we go. And that's the frontline attitude to adopt. And what Brother Lawrence is famous for is showing that you can practice, you can develop this attitude, you can actively grow our, our wayward spirits, our complaining hearts can gain understanding and accept instruction. Now, we won't all have the experience of Brother Lawrence. Um, he had 10 horrible years, uh, and then God brought a profound and lasting transformation to him. Uh, other people have one month, and then that happens. Some people never wait, they just have an instant, profound peace from God. In other people, God just does this long, steady, slow growing of inner peace in them. Other people, they have moments of peace that are few and far between. We are all different. We all experience God's presence in a variety of ways. But regardless of how we experience God's transforming power, here's what we can do. And here's what Nick, uh, Brother Lawrence, um, encourages and suggests for us. He writes, think of God the most you can. What a simple thing to do. Just think of God the most you can. Accustom yourself by degrees to this small but holy exercise. Nobody around you perceives it and nothing is easier than to repeat often in the day these little internal adorations. Isn't that, that's amazing, little internal adorations. Just throughout the day, have a little moment where you come to adore God. Just internally, on your own, whatever you are doing, whether you're in a meeting, whether you are, you know, at the kitchen sink, whether you are um, building something, creating something, needing to uh, destroy something, whatever it is, on your front line, whoever you are with, you can have these little moments, little internal adorations. These little moments of internal adorations are a type of prayer. Uh, it's a moment to where your heart acknowledges that God is right there. He is with you. He is on your front line. And in that moment to adore God, to worship Him from your heart. So they can be little moments, but they are a doorway to big impact. So if you're stressed about something on your front line, turn it into a prayer. God, I'm stressed about this. I'm worried about this. If you have a win on your front line, turn that into a prayer of thanksgiving. Draw your heart close to God and be thankful. If you regret something on your front line, turn that into confession, repentance, and ask for God's forgiveness. Every moment, everything that happens, every feeling that we have can be an opportunity for prayer. Our attitudes are changed by the presence of God. And Brother Lawrence was a living example of acknowledging the holiness of God, of standing in awe of God, of Israel, whilst standing at the kitchen sink. 
You can stand in awe of God while standing at the sink or whatever you are doing. So may you be a living example of that same thing, to find adoration and awe of God on your front line, in little moments, big moments, wherever your front line may be. Amen. Well, we're going to sing now. We're going to uh, come and worship and adore our great God and uh, take this as an opportunity to draw close to God, to know that uh, the blood of Christ has uh, drawn you close. You are close to God. And so you can uh, stand and worship Him uh, with your whole heart. Let's, uh, let's stand. I feel like if my work colleagues heard me say, thank God the number of times I do quietly in my head because I stuff something up more times than I'd like to count, they would all be converted by now. <laughs> Maybe I should start practicing to say it out loud at my desk. <laughs> <laughs>